Every first Sunday of Lent, we hear from one of the accounts of the temptation of Jesus in the Gospels. I think to to have a better picture of what's going on in this scene, it's helpful for us to understand what, what happens right before the temptation. Jesus goes to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. And during that baptism, we're told that the heavens open up and the Spirit descends upon Jesus like a dove. And then it's that same Spirit, and I think this is important, it's that same Spirit who anoints Jesus and strengthens him for his mission, who then drives Jesus into the desert to be tempted. This is the first thing that we heard in our gospel today. The Spirit drove Jesus out into the desert where he was tempted. So it's that same Spirit who is present upon Jesus when that voice is heard from the Father saying, this is my beloved Son. It's that same Spirit who anoints Jesus for mission, who sends him out into the desert to be tempted. So it was God's will for Jesus to be tempted. And actually, interestingly, this is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, so we could say the very first thing that Jesus does as a part of his mission is he goes to the desert to be tempted. It's interesting. It's a mystery. Why would the Holy Spirit drive Jesus out into the desert to be tempted as the first part of his ministry? I think there are a couple lines from the book of Hebrews that help us here that talk about Jesus being tempted. This is the first one. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make expiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered and been tempted, he is able to help those who are tempted. This is the the second place. For we have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. In every respect, he has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So what's the Lord trying to tell us? Well, it's a reminder for us that the mission of Jesus is, more than anything, to take on our own human experience, to take on our humanity, every aspect of our fallen humanity, so that he can bring it back to God, so that he can redeem all of it. And this includes the parts of our humanity that are most difficult for us, that cause us to struggle the most, that are most painful for us or even shameful for us. I think about my own temptations. Oh my gosh, it's a shameful part of my life. How can I think the things that I do? 
How can I desire the things that I do? I don't like that. But yet, here in the gospel, we see Jesus going to the desert to be tempted. And the scriptures tell us that he was tempted in every way that we are. I, I had a, a confessor when I was in the seminary who would, would always say something that consoled me so much uh, when I, when I would, after I would confess my sins. He would, say, he would say, Matthew, Jesus knows how hard it is. Jesus knows how hard it is. Well, how could Jesus know how hard it is unless he himself had been tempted in every way that I've been tempted? And not just like easy temptations, like don't kill that person. I might be tempted to do it, but I'm not going to do it. But also those temptations that it's so hard for us not to fall into. Those temptations. Jesus knows even that, how hard it is. He's experienced all of that. So I was always so comforted when my confessor would say those words to me. It was a reminder to me, ah, yeah, Jesus knows how hard it is. What's the effect of Jesus knowing how hard it is? Well, we heard from those verses from Hebrews. He had to be made like us in every way so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. He has mercy on us precisely because he knows what it's like. He knows how hard it is. So his experience of our weakness does not make him judge us more harshly, but the opposite, less harshly. He knows what it's like. It's hard. He knows that. We have not a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So he sympathizes with our weakness because he's taken them on himself. He knows, he knows what it's like, yet without sin. It's important for us to be able to distinguish between having temptations and falling prey to those temptations, from being tempted and committing sin. Often when I'm in the confessional, uh, people will bring up their painful and shameful temptations. And I can sympathize with that because unlike Jesus, I may not have experienced their particular temptations, but I certainly know what it's like to be tempted. So I sympathize with that person. It's good for us to remember that being tempted is not the same as falling into sin. This is why we can say that Jesus was tempted. Jesus never sinned, but he was tempted. He knows how hard it is not to sin, but he, because of, of the strength that came from his being united to God, from his being God, he didn't fall into sin. So sometimes we can be troubled because we're afflicted with all of these unwanted thoughts. It's important for us to know that 
if we don't give in to those thoughts, those thoughts are not sinful. They're just a part of our fallen human experience, a painful part, a shameful part, but they're not sin, sin in and of itself. All the saints talk about being afflicted with terrible temptations. And the saints were the ones who were able to rely on God's help, run to God so that he could help them in their time of weakness. Again, this is what we hear from that verse from Hebrews. He is able to help us in our weakness because he himself has suffered and been tempted. He is able to help those who are tempted. What we need in those times is his help. So if, if we're tempted and then we commit a sinful action because of those temptations, well, that's a sin. Also, if we decide to indulge those thoughts. That can be sinful too. This is where our, our, our thoughts can actually be sinful. If I decide, maybe I'm not going to outwardly act on it, but I can choose to indulge the thoughts. So let's say I'm struggling with somebody at work and uh, um, I just I imagine something bad happening to them. And I just decide to continue to imagine something bad happening to them. Maybe, maybe my coworker Cindy is going to Hawaii, and I don't think she deserves it. She hasn't worked a day in her life, I'm pretty sure. And so I'm, I'm, I'm going to take pleasure in the thought that maybe it will rain every day that Cindy's in Hawaii. And I'm going to imagine her sitting on the beach crying because her vacation is ruined. You see how this is how our, our fantasies work. It starts out with a thought that it, in, in and of itself, it's not sinful. It's just a temptation. It's just an unwanted thought. But I recognize the thought and I decide that I might enjoy that thought a little bit. Let it play out in my mind. Take some pleasure in the misfortune that might, happen, that might happen to that person. Our lustful thoughts are the same way. We have a lustful thought and we recognize it and then we let it play out in our head because of the pleasure that we take out of that. Maybe we're not going to act on it, but we at least allow it to play out in our mind. That's when our thoughts become sinful. But otherwise, we all have unwanted thoughts. A thought comes into my head as I'm, I'm driving of hatred towards the person who's going so slow in front of me. But I don't have to indulge that thought. Something that I think is really helpful, at me for at least, is to turn my unwanted thoughts into prayer. This is what I mean by that. When I notice I'm having an unwanted thought, as soon as I become, a, a, be, as soon as I become aware of it, I, I try to bring it directly to the Lord. It, I do this in my heart. I say, Lord, please see this thought I'm having. I don't want to have this thought. Please help me to, to let it go. Please take it away. Maybe 30 seconds later, I'll have to make the same prayer. 
because my unwanted thoughts are just persistent. Maybe again, I'm overhearing the comments that a coworker in the office is making and it's driving me crazy. They brag all the time or they only talk about themselves. So I keep on having these thoughts. Every time I have the thought, I can go to the Lord in my heart and say, Lord, I don't want to think uncharitably about this person. Please help me. Please give me your charity for this person. Help me to feel sympathy for that person. And then maybe 15 seconds, I, I have to make the same little prayer in my heart. But isn't it amazing how the, the enemy with our, these temptations and unwanted thoughts, the enemy simply wants, us, wants to discourage us. But we can, with the Lord's help, turn those thoughts into prayer so then it becomes like the opposite. The enemy's goals are turned on their head because now instead of my being discouraged because of my temptations, I'm actually getting closer to God because I'm going to him every time I have a temptation. And how pleasing is it, is it to the Lord when we call upon him every time we need help? And because Jesus himself suffered our temptations, he knows how persistent they can be. He knows how intense they can be. So this is why today's gospel is such good news for us. It expresses the truth that God loves us so much that he sends his son Jesus to take on every single aspect of our human suffering, not just the physical suffering that we see him taking up for us on the cross, Every aspect, every painful and shameful aspect of my life, he wants, he shares. He wants to teach me how not to sin in it, but to bring it to him instead over and over again. Let's ask the Lord today for this grace. First of all, to see how much he loves us and in, and, and in that he would lower himself so much that he'd even take on our temptations, all of them. And let's ask God today to please strengthen us and give us the grace to recognize the temptations when we're having them and to bring them to him right away and every time so that we can turn our temptation from a source of discouragement to a source of prayer and union with God.